Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We're here to restore people just like Jesus did with the woman at the well. But we also, in this passage, need to understand that we have to be warned. Since we all have the very same sin nature that was in King David, we can give in to temptation in sin just exactly like David did, or maybe a thousand other ways, but still sin against our God. Everyone deep down inside knows that they're not perfect. They may put on a front to other people, but when they're home alone, they're faced with the accusations of their own conscience. Pastor Mark will be teaching about King David's most infamous shortcoming. As he walks you through the events that take place, you might see yourself. Not necessarily in the actions, but in the attitudes that will be discussed. As Pastor Mark unpacks this story, he will help you to understand the depths of God's love for you and his willingness to not only forgive you of your sins, but to restore you into a right relationship with himself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 11 as he continues through his series called The Life of David. You can turn to 2 Samuel. We'll be in a number of places tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 11, where you need to turn to. As we're going through the life of David, we come to really one of the most well-known stories in the Bible concerning King David. You may not know anything about 2 Samuel. You may not know anything about King David, but when you hear David and Bathsheba, your eyes come up. You've heard it. A movie, something, whatever. So once again, what we discover, and this just gives us more validity, as if we need it, to the authority of the Word of God, that it's all true. The Bible never hides the whole truth. The Bible never flatters its characters to present them as Well, something super. The Bible presents them as humans, just like you and just like me. Humans that fall. Now, we do know that David was a man after God's own heart. We also know that as we've been studying, he failed lots of times. But this chapter has two things. And I want you to really be at heart when I go through it. This chapter has, number one, A great encouragement for us. Great encouragement as we go through. By the way, we're only going to get about six verses. That's all right. But it has great encouragement to us. But it also has a great warning for us. 
Now, we know that Adam, Eve, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Esau, Moses, David, Peter, and many others in the Bible failed. But here's what we discover. God forgave them and he restored them. So the first thing I want you to know is you need just be encouraged as we go through the chapter. Why? Because God forgives and God restores. In case you have come from a maybe a pretty legalistic background where everything that they talked to you about was wrong, 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 and you never felt worthy, you never felt you could do anything because you were always doing something wrong, that is not who we are here. That is not, not who the Bible is. The whole goal of the Bible is to restore people to continue to be more like Christ. And we're not talking about just letting sin go. And so we just talk to you every week about how good you are. No, there's this amazing balance that we see. But the encouragement tonight is that when we do sin, if we'll ask God to forgive us, he does. He restores us. He even uses us again. And that is an encouragement, not just to a few of us. That's an encouragement to every single person in this room. Now, remember, that's what we stand for here. We're here to restore people, just like Jesus did with the woman at the well. But we also, in this passage, need to understand that we have to be warned. Since we all have the very same sin nature that was in King David, we can give in the temptation and sin just exactly like David did, or maybe a thousand other ways, but still sin against our God. Yes, God will forgive us, but we see that there's always consequences to our sin. Charles Spurgeon said this, God does not allow his children to sin successfully. That's a great statement. You say, well, no, that's true. See, what we sow, you already know the answer to that. We reap. So here's the second thing you want to write. Be warned, not just encouraged tonight, but be warned. Every Christian can fall and fall badly. Now, if you and I approach this teaching with self-righteousness, you will fall. Because self-righteousness is one thing, pride. And God hates pride. So as we go through this, you go, what is wrong? I mean, what kind of a guy is? Careful. By the way, when we do that, sometimes we just point fingers at everybody else. I would never do that. Don't even go there. Just be humble. But for the grace of God, this is a chapter about us. By the way, we have our own chapter. How would you like to be King David? This happened 3,000 years ago. He's still being talked about every year in churches around the world. I'm glad I wasn't David. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad I don't have your name right up there and here's your picture? And we just talk about your story. You wouldn't even be here. You're gone. So, but for the grace of God, there it is. So as we go through this, remember, remember, don't point fingers, don't become self-righteous, but let's learn together. Now, King David is about 50 years old. 
He's been in the city of Jerusalem quite a few years. He has been, because of God, an amazingly successful warrior. Realistically, as you look at him, he's kind of at the peak. He's 50. He's got pretty much everything he needs materially, militarily, financially, spiritually. His son's going to be able to build the temple. I mean, just amazing things are happening. So that's kind of where he is. It almost doesn't get any better than this. We begin chapter 11. In the spring, at a time when kings go off to war, David sent his commander, Joab, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now, in this part of the world, wars were not normally fought during the winter months. Rains, cold weather, you know, they didn't have their jeep to get in. They had to walk through all of this. So they would usually wait to the spring and then resume these fightings. So here with the onset of the dry season, David sends his uh, troops to Rabbah, which is really today we know it as Amman. Those of you that went to Jordan with us, it's in Jordan. He sent them there to finish this campaign that they had actually started earlier. Now, David should have been at the battlefield. He should have completed what he'd started, but he sends Joab. And the Bible doesn't tell us really why. So you have to just begin to think, and I'll just put some things into your mind. Had David now at 50 become complacent, lazy, and self-confident? Was this kind of his thinking? Everything is going great. I'm a popular king with a great reputation. God's blessed me. I deserve a break today. I deserve some time to myself. After all, I am the king. I don't answer to anybody. I've served God faithfully for many years. Well, we don't know really what happened, but I want you to think about this. Who decided that David should stay home? Certainly not God. David. Who decided that David need to have a break today? To kick back from his responsibilities? Certainly not God. So actually, what you begin to see in David is very common in our world, even in the church. It's this mindset of retirement. Well, Pastor Mark, I've done ministry now. I've served for many years in all kinds of places. It's time for the younger generation, the other people to come up and to do their share. But I want you to see a verse and just remember this. It's in Romans eleven twenty nine. It says this, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. So what does that really mean? It means this, our calling from God is for life. When we go through the scriptures, we don't see, you've heard me talk about it before, we don't see retirement. My gifting, my calling, your gifting, your calling is not 
something that when we get 62, we can apply for God's Social Security. It is never that way. Well, I'm not going to serve any more God. I've kind of done my deal. Remember, the calling we have is first is salvation. The second calling is sanctification, becoming like Jesus. And third one is serving him by serving others. How could that ever end? The only thing that ends is our call to salvation. But it immediately moves on to the call of sanctification. So I just want to say it is a blessing with all the things we're always heading off doing. You don't have time to have that mentality. Good job. You guys are still serving. You're here. You're not thinking about it. You're more like Caleb in the Old Testament, 85. He says, I'm just as passionate about life today as I was 40 years ago. Where's this mountain? I'm going for it. And so that's good. I'm not 85, but I'm praying that I'll get there. And I hope I have that when I get there. Because you have to follow me. Uh, Don't you dare pray for me to die early. You cut it out. Because you'll have another pastor come in who's younger than me. Good luck. Really a younger than me. All right. So the answer to my question was, who made that decision to stay there? David. See, a self-directed life is very dangerous because we're not all-knowing. So David decided to stay at home, and because of that, the sin cycle begins to roll. You know the verse, well, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, and I don't care how many years you've been king. Don't lean. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths and make them straight. So David is going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong heart. He's going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong heart. There's something else that I think that enters into that. A couple other things I just want to mention could be happening in his life. Boredom. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Sometimes that happens in our lives. Well, I've been going to church all my life, kind of know what it's going to be like and sing four songs and Bomber's going to get up there and do whatever, who's ever there and boom, boom, and just go home and come back next Sunday. And next... Well, hopefully there's some life in between that. Hopefully privately God's speaking to you. You're interacting with people. You're meeting people at the well. See, boredom very often is a dangerous place to be. And that's why God says, be filled with the Spirit. So out of you doesn't come stale, old, stinky water but living water that comes from within. So it's a challenge to us. One of the things that you'll discover is that very often temptation comes when we're at our highest because we just kind of lay back and, whoo, I got it made. May not even have that mentality. Just everything's really going good. The enemy knows that. Remember Jesus? Just been to the Jordan, gets water baptized, gets filled with the Spirit. What's he hear from heaven? Well done, son. Immediately the Spirit takes him to be tempted in the wilderness. So be careful. We can get complacent or lazy or we can be at the top of everything. Everything's going amazing. And all of a sudden, this temptation comes. Now, when we see David's temptation... You know enough from the story as we've been going through. His temptation doesn't start 
from his little walk out onto his porch. David has had, for many years, a problem. It was a lust problem. It involved women. This is not his first time. And so you're going to see that this continues. Alan Redpath says this. As I think of what happened of this, I am sure that it did not happen all at once in the life of David. This matter of Bathsheba was simply the climax of something that had been going on in his life for 20 years. You see, it was something that David never dealt with. And I want you to think about that. And I'm going to give you some keys to making sure we know how to deal with it. Now, marriage was designed by God. And God, all the way from the beginning to the end of the Bible, speaks about the beauty of marriage. You know this one from Hebrews chapter 13. Marriage is honorable among all, the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. As we've seen this, we've seen over and over, God said, don't take multiple wives. David got away with it. So he thought. Then he added more wives and more wives. Then he added concubines. And pretty soon, well, his life was out of control. And you're going to see it never satisfies. You can drink it that well. Solomon had a thousand wives and concubines. Didn't satisfy the lust problem. Never took care of that problem. Now, you know marriage. You say, well, how, why did God allow it? Oh, he allows us to sin. I mean, he'll warn us. He'll send people, as you'll see tonight, to stop us. But he allows it because we have free will. He'll do whatever he can do, but we will suffer the consequence. So this corrupt seed of lust continued unchecked in David's life. We're going to see it bears bitter fruit. You know what marriage was designed by. You know, when I put up this statement, the world just laughs at it. Marriage was designed by God to be a threesome. God, husband, and a wife for life. That's never changed. Jesus and Matthew said, at the beginning, divorce, it was not so. This is the way it should be. So let's for a moment... Put sexual lust out of our minds. Because I want to go and deal with something broader. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to deal a little more with the sin that seems to cause me problem or you problem in your life. In Hebrews chapter 12... The author says this, look at verse 1. I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. That isn't a sin, that's just a hindrance, not good choices. Especially the sin that's so easily trips us up. The sin. In your Bibles, however you have it, if you've never circled those words, you should. The sin. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. So notice what we're told in that verse. 
We're told to identify that sin that so easily pops up in our life over and over and over again. We're to identify it. Now, I'm not going to go around the room, but you could identify at least one. An area that's a weakness in your life. I can identify two or three in mine right now. I don't have trouble with lots of things, but I have trouble with some. That doesn't mean that I would ever say, well, I'd never have trouble with that. The minute you do it, <laughs> that's pride. He's got you. So notice, we're to identify the sin, then I'm to strip them off, lay them aside, get rid of them. Now, this can apply to any form of sin that affects us, but it's more than just lust. It can apply to anything. I'm going to read to you out of Romans. Listen, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave, Romans 6, 16 says, to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You see, if I don't deal with that area, I become a slave to it. David has become a slave to that area of his life, but it can be broken by the power of God. But I have to be honest enough to admit that sin. So the thing I want you to write tonight is this. The sin, the one I personally struggle with. And if you want to be bold enough in your notes, you can just write that one or two or three others. Wives, don't look at your husbands. Husbands, don't look at your wife. Don't look at your friend next to there. Hold up. Oh, look right here. No, that's between you and God. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't have any. Well, then start writing lots. Because <laughs> if you don't have one, then you're not really attuned to your life. Why did Paul say thus in? Because he knew there was an issue. He knew there was an issue in all of our lives. Everyone in this room knows at least one area of sin that seems to pop, pop, pop back up over and over again. It entangles us. Now, Satan knew what that area was for David, sexual lust. So what's he going to do? Satan's going to arrange the circumstances for David to be set up. He's out to destroy us. Much of what I talked is going to be, as I said, about sexual sin. But there's so many other sins that you could have written that I could have written. And I was thinking about one earlier. I told the guys in pastor staff today, think about this. When we talk about sin... We usually talk about the sins of commission, sins that I actually do, lie or cheat or get angry or whatever. We rarely think about the sins of omission. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you mean if I don't do that, it's a sin? Well, sure it is. Well, I don't hurt them. It didn't say not to hurt them. It said to love them. And so, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Remember our little ball? If God isn't in the center, that's a, that's a what? That's a sin of omission. You haven't put him where he rightly should be. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that nobody, no matter how many things they do to please God, is perfect. This is a comfort in one respect because this should reinforce the knowledge that God knows your shortcomings but loves you anyway. You were encouraged to recall that God is always ready to forgive you and to restore your relationship with Him when you fall. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. In his next teaching concerning the life of David, Pastor Mark will speak about God's design for marriage and sex and what happens when people try to do sexuality their own way. You'll hear about the consequences of David's continual indulging of his sexual appetite outside of God's plan and ways that you can avoid the sexual traps that society lays for you these days. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.